The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. We're going to be talking about demonic activity, negative energies, negative activity, negative attachments, possessions, all of that with our guest, guest Jeffrey Seelman tonight. He is a clearing expert, an exorcist, and an author. And he spends his life helping people with spiritual energy problems and helping people under attack by negative or demonic spirits. So we'll have that conversation with Jeffrey as we continue tonight. Welcome to another week of programs, everyone. It's great to have you along with us. We had a fun and exciting episode of Booze, Brews, and Bros on Friday night. I hope uh, those of the those of you who are with us enjoyed it, had a good time, and recovered. I don't think Rocco recovered right away, but I think he's okay now. Um, it was a good time. A lot of fun. We played a little password. Uh, if I remember correctly, I won. Uh, you can verify that for me in chat, but I'm pretty sure I won. In fact, I think I had the scorecard here that uh, Rocco had contested all night. But we know the truth, don't we? Um, what else? Oh, we've got some great stuff coming up this week, too. I just want to go through our list. We've got uh, Ronnie Dawson coming back with us tomorrow night. Um, he's, he was here about an, a year ago and he, uh, he, um, was telling us his UFO. I'm starting laughing a little bit because I'm reading chat and he reminding me of, uh, some of the antics from Friday night's program. Um, Ronnie Dawson's uh, was telling us his, uh, UFO encounter, alien encounter story about a year ago. And we had to rush him at the end because we ran out of time. Uh, but we promised to bring him back so that he could tell the story in more detail. And he is coming back tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we promised him we would do that in our schedule, just that didn't work out until now. So that's tomorrow's program. Wednesday, Jeff Jowett will be here to talk about soul regression. What happens to the soul? What's it all about? And then Thursday, a bit of a departure from our paranormal topics. We're going to be talking about symbolism in movies with Robert Sullivan. A little bit of a pop culture look. At things, So that'll be fun. Uh, again, great week of programs here on Beyond Reality. One of the things that uh, we should talk about, because uh, if you remember, and you probably have heard this, it's been posted all over Facebook and other social media, but uh, I don't know what it was. A year ago, two years ago, we ran a story here about a an amateur rocketeer who, at the time, it was said he was a flat earther. He believed that the earth was flat and he was building a rocket. To be able to fly high enough that he could actually prove his theories about whether the Earth was flat or not. And he had, had uh, talked about launching this rocket several times. It keeps coming up in the news. Well, he finally did launch his rocket. Sadly, it ended in tragedy. And Mad Mike Hughes is his name. Lost his life. He was attempting to get to 5,000 feet with a homemade steam-powered rocket. And the rocket, as it uh, took off, lost immediately lost its parachute, which I believe was there in order to help him land safely. But it ripped off right in the beginning of the launch. And then the rocket falls through the air and crashes into the ground in the desert. And obviously everybody at the scene was gasping. Um, according to... One eyewitness, Justin Chapman, when the rocket was nosediving and he didn't release the three other parachutes he had in the rocket, a lot of people started screaming and wailing. Everyone was stunned when he crashed and didn't know what to do. And those of you who are watching on the YouTube channel, I am actually going to play this video um, so you can see what happened. Let me see if I can make it work here. It's a little more complicated than than normal. But, um, yeah, this is, this is the video. If you're watching on the YouTube channel now, you're seeing uh, a video off of YouTube of the launch of the rocket, and then you see it come crashing down. See, right when it immediately takes off, the parachute comes off. It goes up a ways, and then it just comes falling back to Earth in a nosedive. And all the onlookers were um, obviously mortified and beside themselves, and it crashes on the ground. And, of course, um, you don't survive that. So uh, our hats off to somebody who truly believed in what they were doing. And uh, sadly, it ended in tragedy and obviously a real painful time for his family. And uh, our, our hearts go out to them. But I felt it was important to update 
you about that because we we've talked about not just flat earth but we've talked about this gentleman and his efforts to uh to go up high enough to get enough altitude that he could determine whether or not his theories were correct so he was a pioneer um all right, well, welcome to everybody in our chat room. Our chat room, by the way, is part of our YouTube channel. If you have not found our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube and search for J.V. Johnson, and you'll find it. And when you find it, please subscribe. Become part of our YouTube community. That number is growing constantly. Thank you so much for everyone who has subscribed and supports the channel. It's really important to get numbers and more people and more uh, participation. So if you're already a subscriber and you're already aware of the YouTube channel, share it with your friends. Share it on your social media pages. Let people know about it and invite everybody to our group. It's a, it's a, we're, we're an open group. Anybody is welcome to come. So we invite everyone to do that. Also, the podcast is available throughout all major podcast distribution points, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. So you can find it virtually anywhere. If you uh, are traveling somewhere and you want to catch up on some shows, the podcast is a great way to do it. Play it right through your sound system in your car, through your Bluetooth connection, and you're good to go. That's what I do. I don't listen to my my show, obviously, because I've already done it. But I listen to other shows, and that's how I get caught up a lot when I'm traveling. Uh, it makes it a lot, makes the time go much quicker. Plus, I learn stuff, right? Great combination. Okay, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're bringing in our guest. Again, tonight we're talking about demonic activity, negative energy, and negative activity. Our guest, Jeffrey Seelman, is a clearing expert, an exorcist, and an author. And that's all ahead right here. On Beyond Reality, don't go away. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, a lot of times when you're a paranormal investigator, you're a ghost hunter, you're asked about negative entities and demonic activity. And most ghost hunters won't even touch the category. In fact, if they think that they're investigating a property that has some type of negative energy or a demonic possession of some kind, smartly so, they they walk away and tell the person involved that they need to get help from a professional. Well, tonight we've got one of those professionals with us, Jeffrey Seelman is a clearing expert, an exorcist, also an author. And he spends his life helping people with spiritual energy problems and helping people under attack by negative or demonic entities or spirits. Jeffrey, welcome to Beyond Reality. Great to have you here tonight. Great to be here, JV. You do some pretty incredible work um, under some pretty incredible circumstances, and we're going get, to get into all that. But before we do... How long have you been part of this world, if you will? How long have you been doing this? I was born with psychic abilities. Uh, I was born in 1959, and I was able to see spirits um, when the wind was right, meaning not all the time I uh, saw them very often uh, when I was very young in school, elementary school, and uh, beyond. And I thought everybody could see spirits. I thought it was something that everybody was doing, and evidently the teachers felt very differently, and so did uh, my classmates, and it did not go over too well. When so you, that's how I started. Yeah. You know? When you, um, I mean, you, you were born with much of this sensitivity. Uh, I, I did you do you remember? It, you yourself being sensitive at that point in your life, I mean, you're an infant, obviously, or do you now look at it in retrospect and now you understand what was going on? I always knew I was different because when I reported uh, seeing spirits to the teachers and my parents and my classmates, they had no idea what I was talking about and uh, actually reacted rather in a negative way. And so um, I made no friends early on in school. We're talking, um, you know, first, second grade elementary here in the United States. Um, And um, so 
I was also able to tell my mother things like, Grandma's going to call at 8.20 a.m. tomorrow morning. And uh, though that part of it, I didn't remember so much. Later on, um, when my mom and I you know, were adults, uh, she would tell me stories of the things that would happen. When I was four years old, I woke up, and there were two aliens in my bedroom. Um, and so I remember uh, I was at a routine physical a couple of years ago, and my uh, this doctor said to me, uh, she said, Jeff, do you think, Jeffrey, you think that uh, you may have been sleeping? Uh, and I said, I wasn't until they woke me up. <laughs> uh, when you were growing up and you were telling your friend, you turned to a friend and say, hey, do you see that person standing over there? And, of course, they didn't. Or... You know, you, you tell a teacher, there's somebody over in the corner that I can kind of see through. And the teacher thought, oh, boy, we've got to send this uh, child to the nurse. Uh, what was going on in your mind? I mean, were you frustrated by that or did it scare you? Good question, JV. Uh, early on, uh, again, in first, second, third grade, uh, what happened was, was that I'd be in a classroom with about maybe 30 people. And uh, I would see maybe three spirits. Uh, in there, they looked a little bit different, meaning that they weren't quite completely um, solid, uh, just a little bit um, transparent. And say two of them would be um, standing above a student. I got the feeling at the time that they were actually trying to help them with their studying, like they were trying to transmit. Telepathic thoughts, to like, the, well, to the other, how you do that problem, Jimmy. To the other way. students, you're saying? They were doing this to the other students, you felt? Yeah, okay. I, I, that's what I, I felt. Okay. And then there was always one in the classroom uh, when this was happening that seemed to be looking at me and saying, you know, I could just feel it. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be seeing me, and they'd, get, they'd attack me. Essentially, they'd come after me. Uh, I'd run out of the classroom occasionally even. I didn't know what they were because now we're talking 1963, uh, 1964. And so essentially that um, it just wasn't really talked about. And so what I'm saying is that most of the spirits that I encountered were really, I thought, very positive. I didn't even know they were spirits. I wasn't sure what they were. Right. Um, and so, but it, there was always one that seemed to be kind of roaming around the classroom and uh, I think amplifying or aggravating uh, at least one student, if not more. And they sure could see that I saw them and they didn't like it. And so they decided to take advantage of that and sort of come at me. Now, spirits don't need to walk. They can actually kind of just move from one place to another, so it was real scary. Yeah. I did not know what it was at first, and I, of course I'd report it uh, to the teacher, maybe not right then and there, but I mean afterwards and, and to my parents. And uh, I really had no friends uh, the first three years of, you know, uh, uh, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade, that kind of thing. And I, I simply learned um, to not speak about it. And so by fourth grade, I had a lot of friends, because right. every year, as you know, it changes. You go, summer comes, school's out, you go back, it's a whole new thing. And when I came back for fourth grade, I didn't talk about it at all. Mm. How I used, um, I did see these things in the classroom, and other places as well, uh, but, but I thought that um, what I would do is, one of the talents I have is, and I think maybe your listeners can relate to this and viewers that uh, intuition, I would get these warnings in my head of trouble coming, of something that was about to happen. Not world events, just small little things related to me or things that were happening around me. Uh, if you'd like to know, I mean, when I was going to high school, I went to high school from 1974 to 1978, then I went into the Air Force after that, but um, uh, the kids would use me, uh, essentially, when they'd go outside and smoke cigarettes or, back then, a little marijuana, um, just, you know, right outside on a busy street. I went to a high school that was on a corner of two busy streets. So we'd be outside, and sometimes they'd actually ask me to come outside because I would get a 15-second uh, or 30-second warning that somebody was going to come out that door, either a teacher or the vice principal, you know, who's always trolling around looking for something. 
and uh, I would just simply say, run. And, and lo and behold, every single time that um, a teacher or uh, the vice principal or even once in a while the principal would come out the door and say, hey, you kids, what are you doing? It's pretty obvious what we were doing, but by then we were already running away and gone. So I, I bet those students that uh, may have shunned you in uh, second and third grade certainly welcome those abilities at that point. He saved their skin a few times with it. it I should have charged them, yeah, maybe, you but, you know, um, uh, and sometimes I was involved in it, you know. So, uh, But I think that we never talked about it. We never talked about it. It was just something like, you know what, bring Jeffrey out. Jeffrey seems to know when the teachers are, are going to be at the door. He'll tell you ahead of time. But we never talked about it, and we never called it psychic ability, or it was just, I guess, maybe uh, kind of uncomfortable. It was just like, for some reason, Jeffrey knows when the teacher's coming out, whether he hears them, whether he gets a feeling. Um, they didn't know, and I didn't really want to talk about it. Right. Uh, the main thing was not to get caught. You, uh, I want to go back to the classroom. You know, when you were at a, a point when you did talk about it, and, and nobody uh, accepted what you were saying. You say you, you, you'd see two or three of these spirits in the classroom, and you felt like they were trying to affect uh, a student uh, and help them either or help them, I, I suppose, with uh, a problem or with whatever they were working on. Do you feel like those spirits were there specifically for the the specific student they were trying to help? Like, was there a connection there, or was it, there a connection to the school to the those those spirits? Was it something to do with the school itself? I'm completely convinced, because I remember it very vividly, that the spirits were probably the spirit guides of the individuals because they never switched students, meaning that they weren't walking around and helping students. They would actually like stand behind the students and kind of look at what they were looking at and sometimes even kind of touch them uh, on maybe with you know the, using their energy field. The students would not be aware of this, and I, I really had the feeling, even at the time, that uh, that they were simply trying to transmit maybe some information if the student was having some problems with uh, the different kinds of mathematical things or reading yeah. or whatever we were working on uh, that, that the teacher had us working on. So um, uh, and they wouldn't move to a different student. So that would tell me that they were actually were there for that student. That did not frighten me. It was really just the uh, you know the other ones that were. Uh, and usually just one or two um, that were simply, they were moving around. Yeah. And I also got the feeling that they were attached to particular students, meaning that um, there were certain students in a classroom that maybe, you know, we all had this experience where they didn't really like me. And, uh, and so sometimes I felt they might have been connected with them, but that wasn't the problem, you know. It was, it was just that they would look directly at me, and kind of like, you're not supposed to see me, I don't like it, and so I'm going to have some fun with you. And that means come at me. I mean, to kind of traverse across the, uh, the uh, room right between people. They didn't have to go around people, right. I mean, right at me. And, of course, I would react because I did not know what they were. I thought everybody could see these things. I just didn't talk about it much. And then I talked about it later with the teachers and say, who are these people? Who are these uh, these uh, beings that these creature you know these men in the classroom or women you know that were helping people and and it's like what are you talking about? Did when you say they attacked you, uh, did they ever touch you or did they ever make some kind of psychic attack on you or was it just that they came at you and that was enough to scare you? The attack uh, was usually that uh, they were just staring at me, and then moving around me, and that would frighten me enough. And so um, I didn't always perceive what they were thinking, but they felt uh, creepy and angry and uh, um, not serious and that they were there to disrupt things, where the other um, spirits were not even paying attention to me and only paying attention to the students that they were helping. And it was never me. And so it was always, I just kind of watched it sometimes, uh, and, uh, you know, like the one or two spirits, and it was different spirits in different classrooms. Um, they would not like it that I could see them. 
And so that's kind of how things began with me uh, and spirits. And, um, and so finally, um, uh, I thank God, you know, that there were um, some... T- My mother was pretty strict with television. Uh, she was very uh, modern, but adult stuff she didn't like, but she did let, like, uh, let me watch certain science fiction things. And because of that, even though I was very young, I, I did realize that some people were different. That's what I got out of things like The Twilight Zone and other things like that, was that there are weird things happening in this world. Uh, my parents were actually more disturbed about me telling them things that were going to happen in the immediate future. And it was, like I said, it was always small stuff, JV. It was always, um, you know, someone's going to call at 920, that kind of thing. It was no world event, you know, no apocalyptic talk. Just simple things. That was enough to really frighten my father. My mother took it in stride. She was kind of like, you know, well, thanks. Because it would happen. Yeah. So I guess I'll get ready for the phone call tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, I think she was psychic herself. And, and uh, she understood. When, when I uh, woke up in the middle of the night and there were two aliens in my bedroom wearing electronic devices on their uniforms, um, it scared the, you know, whatever out of me. And so... She believed me. Uh, you know, she said, you know, I, I believe you. I, I, this is the kind of stuff that happens to you, Jeffrey, you know. I was four years old, and, and it, was, it started that early. And I, looking back, J.B., I really believe uh, I, I felt no uh, negative intentions from these two aliens. They were clearly aliens. They looked like aliens. They were small. They had strange faces. Uh, with the room, I always kept my uh, door open a little bit. So there's a little bit of light going on. I thought it was two giant eyes, let's, like let's, a spider. Let's, I don't know what it was. Let's come back and to And then the, when I, my back. eyes cleared a little bit, I sat up real quickly, and then I saw that it was actually two small beings who were dressed exactly the same way, and they had electronic gear on their chest. Um, and they were glowing, but they were not glowing in my eyes. They were, like, um, self-illuminating. And, uh, and so I just kind of noticed that. And one of them, I was very frightened at first. I thought, what was going on? And then one of them moved around to the side of my bed, and I got a clearer look, and I realized it was just two of them, not two eyes, but actually two beings with um, electronic devices uh, on their chest, which actually interested me the most, even though they, looked, they did not look human uh, at all. Uh, and they, what really interested me uh, and always has is that they had some really neat electronic devices that glowed on their chest. And I, what it did, I do not know. Jeffrey, I want to take you back. I'm going to come back to the alien discussion in a minute. But I want to know, the school you went to, was that a public school or was it a, a parochial school of some kind? It was a public school uh, in the suburbs of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And here's something interesting, J.V. It was the same school that both my mother and father went to, even though they did not know each other at that time. Oh, wow. So it was an older school. A, br- a large brick building was very nice, uh, but it was actually old. And old enough for my parents to go there when they were young and go through elementary school. It was just one, grades 1 through 6 here in the United States. And, um, uh, and so, uh, it was a public school and it was not affiliated. As a matter of fact, I grew up in a suburb that was, um, uh, not particularly religious. Um, you know, they had a lot of different kinds of people who belonged to different kinds of religion. And because of that, we didn't discuss it too much because there were people there who were Catholic and Protestant. And we had a couple evangelical type people uh, Baha'i faith, one girl's from the Baha'i faith, uh, a lot of Jewish people. And when you have that kind of group around, you simply don't discuss it at all. Uh, and it wasn't even fashionable back in the 1960s, early on, when I was growing up, to discuss it at parties, block parties, when my neighbors had, or in school, you know, because right. politics. Yeah. You know, it just wasn't talked about were because you, it was... Were, you your know, parents particular, were your parents particularly religious, or were you? No. Uh, they, we, I was brought up Presbyterian until I was eight years old. This would be about 1967. I went to Sunday school, got into a lot of trouble. Uh, my parents dropped out of it because they said it went political, 
I didn't ask them about it. I was eight years old. They stopped going. I stopped going. My problem with the whole thing was that uh, I questioned when they would tell me things. I questioned it. My, of course, I spent uh, essentially eight hours a day, five days a week, with teachers saying, ask questions, ask questions, raise your hands. So I go into Sunday school. The parents would go into church. And the kids would go to Sunday school downstairs in the basement. And, of course, they'd tell us these things. And I would say, even at that young age, you know, six, you know, five, six, seven years old, I would say, that makes no sense to the Sunday school teacher. I said, you know what, that makes no sense. <laughs> they probably didn't take too kindly to that. Not at all. They didn't like it at all because I, I, the questions I had were, you know, and, of course, her answer was, you have to believe. And I said, no, I don't. I, I said that the teachers at the school say I should ask questions, and you'd provide an answer. You know, everybody would, any teacher would. But you're saying just believe, and you don't have an explanation for it. And I was kind of on this kick about like things like, well, two people were created, and I said that would make us all inbred. And, uh, um, you know, the things that just didn't make any sense to me, and I wanted to know, well... Sure, you wanted some answers. It's, it seems I natural. wanted some uh, practical, scientific, scientific, logical right. explanations for what they were saying. Let's go back to your... They, they could not provide them. It was simply like, uh, I know it doesn't make any sense, but just, you just believe have to it. Believe, and I was yeah. like, no. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the alien encounter. You said you were four years old? Yes. So you're four years old. These two figures appear in your bedroom. You're in bed, right? You're you're in bed for sleep. Sleeping. Yeah. And these two figures appear in your bedroom. There's enough light coming through the crack of the door or whatever that you can make them out. Uh, do you think that those two creatures, uh, you're calling them aliens, but do you think in some way they had a connection to the spirit world that you were seeing, or is it two completely independent events? Good question. Uh, I knew that they were aliens because they had electronic uh, lights on their chest, and none of the spirits that I ever saw had any kind of uh, electronic lights or any kind of uh, anything that would be um, uh, glowing. Uh, they were just simply beings that I could partially see through, uh, and they had clothing on, and uh, it didn't look strange. There weren't robes or anything like that. It was pretty uh, contemporary for the early 1960s. The difference being here was that these guys had, they were small. They were about maybe, oh, I'd say, four foot five. Uh, they had weird-looking faces. And also, the most important thing was, of course, they had the same outfits on. And also, like, they had some extremely interesting-looking electronic lights on their chests and they had they were over their over their clothing over their, their uniforms or whatever and uh uh i knew right away you know when they moved apart um that's kind of what drew my eyes because i've always been drawn towards um lights and um technology and that is my background as well and so um it was more i was just fascinated by the lights the whole thing went on. You know, I was sleeping, and somehow I woke up. They didn't make a sound. I, what woke me up, I do not know, because they didn't make a sound even when they were moving. And so and they were not, uh, uh, I could not see through them. They were really were there. Right. And I kept on looking at the lights and wondering what they were, but I was also becoming more panicked. Are you certain? I was only I mean, four years old yeah, are you and ended up running out of the room and into my mom's room. Screaming, sure. Mom, there's aliens in my bedroom. <laughs> are you Help certain? Me. Are you certain that the lights were, were uh, on their body and maybe just not some type of uh, reflection of something else in the room or from outside the room? No, because when, they, when one of them moved over to the side of my bed, which I believe was deliberate, mm -hmm. because I was, I, when I first saw them, but they were standing next to each other, and the first thing I saw was not them, but the lights. I thought it was actually like some kind of weird giant spider or something with like two giant, like, like glowing eyes. I was four years old, right? So one of them at that, they must have, I would think they might have been telepathic. They read my mind because one of them moved over to the side of the bed. I really felt so that they could, I could see that they were not, 
some kind of weird creature, but two separate beings, and they both had the exact same identical outfits on, and also uh, uh, the same kind of uh, uh, lighting systems. Uh, what they were used for, I don't know. Yeah. Transportation, yeah. Um, so, so, putting people to sleep, working on people, you know, whoever. When I, when I, when I think back on this, just to kind of give, make this perspective, they might have been working on me other nights, um, for work that I was going to do in the future. And I, I always felt, looking back on it years and decades later, that they wanted me to see them. Because they probably could have put me to sleep, you know, or something like that, or kept me sleeping. Something woke me up, and I don't think they bumped into the bed. And so I think what happened was, was that maybe they just wanted me to look back uh, decades later when I got into my work and remember that, um, that I was having... You know, somebody was working on me, maybe fine-tuning me when I was really young because they sure did not attack me. And, and that's what kept me at least in bed for, you know, the uh, 15, 20 seconds, you know, maybe, maybe 30 seconds before I went running out of the room and crying yeah. and, and running into my mom's room. You know, that I felt no attack. It was certainly not, not a reflection. For one thing, I got a great look at their faces I got a great look at the outfits they were wearing because the room was cracked open. Now, these lights were self-illuminating, meaning that if you've ever seen these round lights you stick on a wall and you press the button so that you can see the hall a little bit, yeah, there was kind of like that a little bit. You know, they didn't have these things around in the early 60s, okay? that They didn't exist. And so what I'm saying is that it was not shining in my face. It was actually just illuminated itself. What these devices did, I did not know, but I did feel that they were devices, and they probably did more than one thing. Why I, why I felt that way, I'm not sure. So I, what I, what, I, what, I want to try. It wasn't to see where they were going, yeah. uh, because they weren't flashlights. I want to try to get to the bottom of the connection between the aliens and your abilities as far as being able to detect and see spirits. Um, there are a lot of there are theories now that there uh, that maybe alien. Uh, paranormal activity and ghost or spirit paranormal, paranormal activity might be the same thing, have the same source, just manifesting in different ways. Do you think there's any connection there, first of all? But secondly, if if not, do you think these aliens visited you with the intention of either A, taking advantage of your abilities to contact and connect with the spirit world, or maybe helping you enhance those abilities? Looking back, at four, at four, I can tell you that I did not know. But looking back, I can tell you that I've, I've always, I've had many experiences since then we can go into, but what I'm saying is that looking back, I really believe that they wanted, it was just simply an appearance. They simply wanted me to see that they were there. So when I started in with my work much later on in life, after the, I got out of the Air Force and did studying and all that, that essentially that, uh, that, there, this was kind of a lifetime, lifelong project, JV, that essentially um, uh, that they were there from an early age yeah, but, uh, and but, probably but, working on me when I was asleep. Uh, and just that night they wanted me uh, to see them because they didn't do anything. You know, besides, I felt the reason that one of them moved over to the other side of the bed was to give me comfort, to let me know that it wasn't two giant eyes and that it actually was, I saw them clear as, as I kind of rubbed my eyes and I could see clear, I realized that, you know, you know, A, they were not spirits. They were clearly, like, alien-type-looking things, very interesting-looking. Right, but I, I really it, it, need... We have to go to break, so I just want to see if I can get a, a pinpoint answer on this. Do you think that yeah. they were either there to help you... Uh, help uh, augment your abilities with the spirit world or be, they were there be, to learn from them or, or because of those abilities? Do you have any sense? And I know you were four years old at the time, but in retrospect, do they have anything to do or was their visit anything to do with your abilities in, in being able to see and connect with the spirit world? Yes, in retrospect, I would say that they were they were uh, working on me and, and beginning to fine tune me for work later. So you on. think they were helping um, helping massage uh, your abilities? Uh, actual um, altering. Altering them, actually, actually altering enhancing me. them, altering me, altering you to I mean, have as these far abilities as from day one. Uh, and so I was not a usual kid, as you know. I was already seeing spirits, yeah. and so the idea is that. Um, 
I remember doing this kind of stuff and missing pieces of past lives and all sorts of things. And yeah, yeah. So I think it was just kind of that they were there um, working on me and uh, and helping me because I was not dealing so, with things very so well. You think, spirits. So do you so think, I think that, that um, Jeffrey? They, do you they think they were um, making things happen at an early age? Do you think they identified you in some way? recognizing that you had these innate abilities and then they came to you and maybe many, many times, as you said, while you were sleeping that you weren't even aware of and were helping you fine-tune these abilities for the rest of your life. Absolutely. I had, to, I had the uh, feeling that they probably knew me. Okay. All right, that makes a lot of sense. We're talking with Jeffrey Seelman tonight. His website, by the way, is uh, Star Clear. Did I get that right, Jeffrey? StarClear.com? That's correct, starclear.com. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, or if you're listening as a podcast, make sure you share it with your friends as well. The podcast version of the show is a great way to catch up on back episodes as well. There's a a complete catalog. If you subscribe, you'll be able to find them, and we're available on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of the major podcast distribution points carry the Beyond Reality podcast version of the show. Tonight we're talking about demons, negative energies. We haven't gotten there yet, but we're talking about them with our guest Jeffrey Seelman. He's a clearing expert, an exorcist, and an author. Jeffrey, as time goes on in your story here, at some point you either become exposed to or decide to seek out these demons or negative energies. When does that happen? Uh, after I got out of the Air Force, JV, this would be 1982 or so, um, I started studying self-help books um, just to improve my life. I've been practicing meditation since 1976. And um, then I got into studying um, different kinds of major religions uh, that led to uh, the history of... Um, spirit communication, uh, the philosophies of good and evil. Uh, I, I don't know why I was doing it. I think I, w- I was reading a lot of uh, science fiction and horror books at the time, and so I wanted the, the real uh, you know, stories that were happening. So I spent a lot of time in libraries uh, really reading a lot of reference books and studying. I mainly used my talents for staying out of trouble. I didn't talk about it uh, still uh, through high school, Air Force, all of that, afterwards working. Uh, I just used it for my own purposes, which I think a lot of people do, you know, just to get intuition, ideas, business ideas, whatever, you know, personal stuff. And so what happened was, was that in 1987, uh, I was uh, in the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee library, and um, all of a sudden I was someplace else, and I was... uh, I was simply, I saw this person driving down the street in this old truck, and my vision was turned around. I believe that this was uh, induced by my spirit guides. And I looked around, and I saw a face. It was not my face. But when I looked into the eyes, and I couldn't look away, um, I knew it was me, a much younger and a different time. And then, boom, uh, the truck hit something, I and all of a sudden I was inside of the body, and I... Uh, I remember hitting my head on something and went flying out the door. I went rolling down the road, and then all of a sudden I'm like 50 feet up in the air, and I'm looking down at my body, which was completely different. It was a different body, maybe 19 years old or so, and red hair, very different. I have dark hair, and um, I saw a smoking truck in the background. It, it hit a rock, a big one. And um, I knew right then and there, I said, I'm dead. There's no spirits going, hey, go, come on back, mm. or follow me. There was no light. I saw everything, like, very clearly. It was almost, like, shining a little bit. But I thought, I'm dead. And I knew it. And, I, and I, it was almost like a remembering. It wasn't like, you know, oh, no, I'm dead. It was like, I'm just a matter of fact, I'm dead again. I'm dead again. And, uh, this, you know, the body was in the middle of the road. There were no other spirits around. My second feeling that came to me, JV, was I feel fine. And then all of a sudden I was back into the uh, uh, library. I was completely awake, no alcohol, no drugs. I've never had regression. I've never had hypnosis done to me. This was the first major experience I had. Uh, in 1990, I came into contact with some people that were doing Ouija boards. They actually have been doing them for 20 years. There were teachers 
academics, uh, a lawyer. One was a lawyer. Uh, the lead lady was a psychic. She was a well-known psychic at the time. Um, and uh, I got to know them and attended some of their uh, sessions. And so that kind of interested me uh, uh, in, a, in a matter of speaking. And uh, a couple of them had problems. Even though they had been involved in metaphysical things for decades, uh, they had a couple of problems, one at a time, and, and in their apartments and homes. Like one was a practitioner, like a reader, a psychic reader. And so this one uh, guy who was a writer said to me, you know, Jeffrey, I really think there's something in my apartment. Everybody's been trying to get rid of it. And uh, will you take a, a crack at it? You've been studying this stuff. And, the, you know, the Ouija board has certainly said a lot of weird things about you and having these talents. Can you try it? I went over to this guy's apartment, and I just kind of, by intuition, I, I simply did some things, and, and I got rid of the problem. And so I went back to the group, and then the psychic reader kind of approached me on the side and said, you know, I see a lot of clients at my home. Can you, and I'm kind of, I feel like there's sometimes something negative in there. Can you come over and take a look at my place? And this is 1990, and I did, I did. I, um, I went over there, and I got rid of the problem. And I, I didn't, I wasn't even sure how to do it. I never studied how to do it. I simply kind of did it by almost uh, uh, intuition. And then, um, uh, then basically what happened was, was that this group said to me, um, you know, you really ought to take this to the public. You were really good. We tried so hard to get rid of the, these things, and we couldn't. And uh, then they started, I, I was actually going out with uh, the lead lady who, uh, at the time, we started going out together, not that psychic, but a different one. She was actually very well known and did radio shows uh, in Milwaukee. And uh, I started going out with her, you know, girlfriend and boyfriend, and uh, essentially that um, she just knew I had some talent. And even the Ouija boards that they did, I'm not condoning Ouija board stuff, but they were very good at it. And they, I got to, after a while, I got to actually uh, sit there and, and actually operate the planchette, which is that thing that goes across the board, of course, and spells out things. But, uh, and they use, also used me for protection. I seem to be very good at that and sense things around me and could push things away if something negative stepped in, which occasionally it did. And uh, so at that time, now we're talking, uh, uh, I still had practice in a couple more people, and successfully, 1992, uh, I decided to put a small ad in a local newspaper here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, I didn't expect any phone calls, and I don't think things came immediately but um, what it did was um, it attracted the attention of uh, the newspaper itself. And they actually had an article about uh, me in there and the kind of work that I was at least trying to do. Um, somehow, uh, the, the only metaphysical show, national show, that was ever on at the time from Paramount Studios it was called Sightings. Right. And it was, everybody watched it. Uh, you know, this was 1992 or so. Uh, 1993, somewhere in there, and um, they actually, um, what happened was, uh, three young girls got a hold of me, uh, they were in their 20s, young 20s, and they were living in a condo uh, in a suburb of Milwaukee, and they got a hold of me from the ad, and I was also in the Yellow Pages for a little extra money, and then uh, I thought I'd give it a try, and then uh, they called me and said, we, uh, some, we're waking up in bed with indentations in our bed next to us. We're taking a shower, and we see a shadow pass in front of the shower curtain. Something's in here, and it's scaring all of us, three single women. Not saying they didn't have boyfriends, whatever, but it was just them living alone in this condo. And at that same time, strangely enough, sightings called me up and said, you know, so what do you do in all of this? And I said, what's going, you know, and they said, what are you working on right now? Well, these three girls called me, and they want me to come out and clear their place. I've never met them, didn't know who they were. And I had an ad in the Yellow Pages, like I said. And so uh, they said, well, maybe we could do film this. And I said, well, okay, maybe. Uh, give them a call. I don't know. And so they uh, gave them a call. And uh, one of them kind of begged out. They didn't want to, one of them didn't want to be on television. The other two said, fine, come on out. So they flew out from Los Angeles, 
and uh, um, then they actually said, you know what, we cannot wait for your uh, cameras to come out from Los, uh, Los Angeles, from Hollywood. We, uh, the problem is too bad. We're scheduled for Saturday. You're not going to come out until like Monday or something. And they said, we'll put you in a hotel, but you can't talk to Jeffrey. No more talking to Jeffrey. Everything's got to be, you know, completely, you know, above board, which I understand. And so I went out there. Uh, they put them in a hotel, and they, everybody came back uh, for the filming. And essentially, uh, besides some shots that were made for me walking up the stairs and doing whatever, uh, they let me do my thing. And what I did was um, I found that it was um, a, like a, a voyeur spirit, a spirit that would, would attack women. Uh, and that um, it was some kind of perverted spirit that was um, alive, probably doing the same thing, and now that it's dead, spirits are just people who don't have physical bodies. They have passed on, but they have, they're just as intelligent and the same as us. And so um, I, got, I banished it. I kicked it out of the house, and I also cleared the house of um, as much negative energy as I could because I could feel negative energy. And so I, if you can feel something and apply a certain energy to it, then that's what I did. And that's one of the ways that I got rid of this spirit. Now, you can't kill a spirit, but you can kick it out of a certain environment. That's what I did. And uh, it was a long day. Was, you know, so if my, first, my very first experience with the media was the most famous and only uh, paranormal show on television. It was nationwide. And it was just amazing, and I was so terrified. But I still um, did it, and uh, and it never came back. And in sightings, talked to them, and and they said, you know what? And of course, you can still see it on YouTube, you know, and all that. And that episode, um, I think it's on my YouTube channel, or whatever. But uh, it it never came back, and they said so on, at the end of the show. Uh, it never came back, and the girls called me even a month later, two months later. It never came back. And uh, that kind of led to other shows and uh, me just doing more work. Um, and so, in uh, in 1997, now I I, I was working for a, a telecommunications company in the daytime, never thinking I would do any of this besides maybe once or twice a week. It was never a plan to like you know do what I'm doing now. And so what happened was was that. Um, uh, I had actually was down at the lakefront, which is Lake Michigan here in Milwaukee, and I saw like these clouds start shimmering like a silver. And I heard, I just felt, and I heard this voice, you know, say, you know, we're here to help people, not me, people. And then I, I felt this wind come over me. There was no wind at the time. And I could just feel this, this feeling of, of, uh, being free, it was, it was like, they were like, it was almost like freedom itself, not for me, but just them being around, I, it was like, I could feel like there was more than one of them, like there's a whole bunch of them or something like that, and so what happened was, uh, very shortly after that, um, I saw a spirit appear next to me, this is the first time that this had happened, a spirit, I was walking down the street, and a spirit appeared next to me, and said, do you want to join this group? And I said, oh, well, what group? And they said, well, it's a group of spirits and aliens that essentially uh, work on different planets uh, that are not physical um, or they're astral traveling, one of the two, meaning that, you know, they're alive and they're partially there or that they are spirits. And they are working all around the known universe, physical universe, helping people on different planets become free of negative things. And they said, we'll give you three days to make a decision. Just know this, Jeffrey. They said that you'll get no rewards from it, meaning no just job in heaven, um, no parades, uh, no special treatment. You have to do it out of the goodness of your own heart. And um, uh, so we'll give you three days. And so I thought about it, too. I did not say yes right away because I thought, they said, this has got to be till the end of your life. I did not know why they said that, but they said this is kind of a lifetime contract thing. Why they said that, I don't know. This guy said that, I don't know. I'd never seen him before. And I heard it telepathically. It was not, he was not speaking to me out loud. No one, no, nobody would have seen him or heard him. And so I thought about it for the three days. 
The guy comes back. The spirit comes back. I'm taking a walk. I was living, always lived by Lake Michigan while I was living in Milwaukee. I've lived in other places as well. But uh, So I said, look, um, yes, I'll do it. I, I had these talents. I know I was born with psychic ability. Uh, I might as well help people. I, I like people. And um, if I can help in any way uh, to make them feel better, I'll do it. And I don't care about the rewards. Um, I don't expect them anyway. And uh, so... Uh, the next thing that happened was I saw about a day later or so, I was sitting in my bedroom, sober and, and all that, and I was just, uh, you know, uh, 1997 this was, so I was like uh, about 37 years old, and uh, uh, I saw a hundred spirits in these different uniforms like, um, like I did before. They weren't completely, they were not physical. They were um, like someplace else, but I saw them. And they were saying things, and I started to repeat them. I could, they said, you know, repeat this sort of, you know, and I kind of did this oath type of thing. And then I was handed this really weird-looking sword that was not physical. And they said, put this, like, on your waist. But when I put it on my waist, it stuck to my waist. It didn't have, like, a sheath or anything to it. It just, like, it stuck to my spirit. And, and so um, uh, that's kind of how it began. I, I joined this uh, organization of essentially uh, exorcists and helpers that were not only spirits, but aliens. They were mixed in together, men and women. I mean, as far as I saw females and I, I saw uh, males, and it was, uh, they were wearing all different kinds of uh, outfits. And um, so... Uh, that's kind of how things really started about uh, not uh, right around that time. Um, I was in my apartment. I was reading a book, uh, which, which was not metaphysical, and uh, all of a sudden I was someplace else. And I, was, I saw this guy standing with long hair, black hair, and a, a, like a grass skirt, a grass skirt. And he was small, and, and I thought, wow, that's me. Uh, I looked in his eyes, and I thought, that's me. It looked nothing like me. And, and, but I saw in the eyes, and I said, wow, that's me. And then somehow I ended up, like, jumping on his back. This happened in a, I was, uh, it didn't happen to my physical body. It was like my consciousness was there. And I, I simply, he just kind of went through this, like, weird wormhole or something. He made some kind of design in the air. And all of a sudden he propelled forward, and I was, like, with him, like, on his back. Like, literally, like, on his back. Not my body. I was now no longer conscious of my body. And then I saw a bunch of grass huts, and then uh, men in, with carrying swords and wearing, uh, like, these weird helmets, and they were killing people. And the, and the, spirit, uh, the spirit started crying, even though he couldn't be seen. And I, and I was like, what's going on? And he was like, he kind of just looked at me and just made a shh sound. And then um, I just went, oh, this is terrible. And then before I knew it, I kind of hopped back on his back. Why I don't know why that happened, you know, but it, I guess it was to, you know, connect with him. Back through this kind of wormhole type thing. It just took a few seconds. And then I was back in my bedroom. What happened out of that, which is so interesting, DV, uh, JV, is that this, that um, now I was in two places at once. I was in my apartment, and I was also on the other side, what people call heaven, or the non, what I call the non-physical universe. Call it what you like. But the idea was, I was, I, I was, kind of, I felt separated. I was at two places at once, and I, I didn't come back. Meaning that I, I never did come back. All of a sudden, I had one foot in each world, and I never got out of it. I went to my girlfriend three days later, terrified. Uh, and she was a professional, a well-known professional psychic who did uh, media work, and well-known and very popular and excellent too, by the way. And she, I said, I'm scared. I said I thought at least I would go back to normal, and I didn't. I'm I'm in two places at once now. I'm on this side and that side. In my mind, you know, I can see that side. I can see what people call heaven. I can see the other side, and I can't stop it. How do I stop it? She goes, I don't know. I don't know. And you know what, uh, JV, I never did. I had wow. to get used to it. It took me at least three or four months to get
to get used to actually being on both sides. It was a very uncomfortable feeling. At the time, I was very unhappy about it. Uh, but on the, I guess on the positive side, I was able to see the other side and even travel over there at my will. So part of this, what, this event that took place, this very event, was actually to, you know, uh, broaden my horizons, uh, uh, stretch my perceptions, so that I not only could see the physical world and spirit sometimes, but now I had a vision of being in both worlds at once, so I could, like, look at both of them, the other side and this side. Very uncomfortable for quite a while. I was yeah. very unhappy about it. Jeffrey, when we start talking about negative entities, what are they and where do they come from? Well, there's essentially two major kinds. Uh, there are uh, people who have passed on that were negative and continue to do negative things. That is the most common thing that uh, you'll find around here. There's also demonic spirits, which are the counterpart of angels. They're just simply angel, like as strong as an angel might be, how we, per- we perceive an angel, but they are very powerful and they do very negative things and uh, they're able to uh, very quickly and strongly amplify our negative feelings to get us to do things that we would not normally do. And because they have so, they're very powerful, they have weapons, they have tools uh, that are non-physical, they can do all sorts of things, and even when the wind is right, meaning there's a lot of emotional energy in the atmosphere, they can even affect physical reality to a certain degree. They cannot overturn cars, that's for the most part, <laughs> but they can do small things, you know, things flying off of walls and uh, the things that people report. I've been doing this professionally for 30 years, and I've seen many things. But uh, the most common thing is uh, when we die, uh, we simply drop our physical body. I'm not speaking religiously here. This, to me, this is science. Our physical body dies. But everything else, our personality, our emotional systems, and our psychological systems carry on exactly the same way. We are who we are. We, and so when people die, it's like, well, I'm still here. I still just don't have a physical body. But they generate their clothing from energy, and they generate uh, how they look. And any spirit can do that. Now, most spirits are good. We don't have to worry about them. 80%, 85%. They don't bother people. But there's that 15%, just like here in the living world on Earth, that actually do. And they'll come around um, or not, maybe not really leave and go live with other spirits, but actually remain around. And even though we can't see them, we can feel them. And their goal is pretty much the same thing, uh, to harass and, and frighten people in some way uh, or to get people to do things that they would not normally do. And it's actually quite easy to, uh, to accomplish, you know, that essentially if, if you're getting into an argument with your significant other or anybody, and one of these, uh, a spirit or a demonic spirit, would step anywhere near you, such rage comes out of them. It's an energy. It's a real energy. Rage, anger actually has an energy, a corresponding energy to it. And they, they toss it at you, you know, a thousand miles an hour, and it amplifies everything. So in place of actually an argument, you know, kind of like settling down, a person can do things, you know, like maybe a moment of violence yeah. or more than a moment. It's, it's not true of every situation. But it's, it's, so it's like, it's, it's, like it's like throwing gasoline onto a fire in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, J.B. That's exactly their intent. And, I, I, and so many of my clients would like to know the reason why. Now, sometimes there are connections and reasons why. But very often I have to tell them, and I'm always honest with my clients, uh, what I see and what I feel and what I come, the conclusions I've come to, that uh, sometimes there's not always the reason. Sometimes it really is frivolous. They're just actually out to make people hurt each other. Uh, they do attack people um, in power. They attack businesses. Uh, they attack people that affect other people. I mean, uh, 
uh, I work with a lot of businesses because if they can take down a business somehow by creating a lot of anger, whipping up a lot of anger and getting things, uh, making an atmosphere uncomfortable, uh, a lot of people can lose their jobs. And unfortunately, it's not always revenge or something like that. Very often it's just because they can. It's, they're, they're very much like uh, criminals here in the physical world. There's not always an explanation as to why they do things. You know, they might, you know, uh, it's just to affect people and to get a feeling of uh, ego and power. Let me make sure. And I let so me it's make not sure, always connection. Yeah, let me make sure I understand. So what you're saying is that these negative entities, not demonic entities, but just negative spirits, uh, they are the spirits of people who may have had that same type of personality uh, during life. They are just bad people. Uh, I would say about 75% of them uh, were doing negative things and criminal things in their physical life. Like, say they were uh, very perverted uh, or something like that, um, or just very sadistic, that they would continue, because people don't change when they die. Yeah. So if that's and the, so that they continue to do that stuff. If, if that's and, the and case. So, um, if that's, yeah, if, and some of them are also people who are disappointed about what happens after they die, meaning that they don't wink out, yeah. they're still there, and they actually are able to see their own lives completely and also read the minds of everybody else. Our perceptions increase after we die, and some people don't like it, and they react to it badly. So if someone like Charles Manson, who just died not long ago, uh, is would his spirit become potentially one of these negative entities? Uh, you know, uh, he was clearly uh, mentally ill, uh, whether it was from drugs or whatever. You know, uh, he was not particularly popular when he was alive. But the idea was that, um, you know, somebody like him is very mentally ill. I would mm-hmm. think that it's very possible that he, you know, could, might stay around, but you never know. He also might want to go on and change, you know, you just never right. can tell. Right. Uh, it, but people who do really negative things, uh, like very purposefully, and not just because of, you know, like uh, huge amounts of drug use, but uh, also just are criminals and maybe attack people, attack women, uh, and uh, are violent, uh, may continue to try to affect people after they are dead. Demonic spirits are very powerful and very evolved. Let's not go there yet. And they may never never have lived a physical life, yeah, let's not at, go, least, at least not for a long time. Let's not go into the demonic stuff yet. I still want to understand these negative entities. Sure, sure. You know, you said they could attack businesses. Are these? Is this a personal vendetta? In other words, if I had a... Someone, let's let's say I I have a business and somehow I wronged somebody and that person ends up passing away. Is it? Are you saying that 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 spirit could become a negative entity and therefore come back at me in my business, or is it completely random? It's it's more. I, I found it's both, but it's usually more random. JV, uh, when I go to businesses and help them out, uh, what is going on is that sometimes it uh, it could be an employee's. Uh, a spirit that's attacking a particular employee or a business owner or whatever, and it just simply goes around the office or the factory or wherever they're working and uh, tries to stir up emotions between people. And so the different ways of attacking a business. So it's not always just uh, like revenge. Some people are angry and they attract angry spirits. And so it's not really that hard to spread that kind of anger around, just like you have the angry employee at your office or workplace that kind of makes other people angry. A spirit can do the same thing. It just can't be seen. And so it can go around essentially shooting out this rage and anger feelings, and people react to it, and they don't know what they're reacting to. And it's it's not, uh, you know, the rule. But it does happen, and it happens more than we think. What uh, One of our uh, chat room members has a question. Mary Grace wants to know how you protect yourself against negative entities and demonic spirits when you work to remove them. By strengthening our energy fields uh, and creating uh, different kinds of shields that have a known effect upon turning back negative emotional energies. 
And I go into that, and uh, one of the things I, I wrote an audio wrote I recorded an audio book in Chicago in 2013 called Power Protection. Besides being available in all the uh, different things like your podcasting system, you know Amazon UK and Amazon all that, iTunes, um, you can get a free copy of that on my website uh, on the front page. And also some of my lessons. Um, I put that out there because I did not create that book to make money. I created it to help people. It's sort of a workbook. The first chapter is all about me, two hours of my metaphysical history, everything you want to know about me. So I have a background there. And then chapter two is personal protection. It'll teach you through an audio. Just listen to it. It'll teach you, any person, practical, scientific, and logical steps that you can take to create to create a stronger energy field and create a multi-layered protection system that will. Wow, he just disappeared. We have fun with uh, things just uh, crapping out when it's least convenient. Anyway, sorry about that, but you know, not beyond our control. We are back, but we don't have our guest. So this is our end of night tuck-in, I guess. We'll have to do it a little bit early. It's just too bad because I had a lot of great questions left for our guest, Jeffrey Seelman. We'll just get him back on. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.